0: All right, good morning. I'm trying to make this thing work, and I got a problem. There we go. All right, good. We had half the church on vacation last week. I think the other half is on vacation this week. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be going back back and forth between these two. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week that we were going to be back and forth and we really didn't move a whole lot between those two books. We're going to be almost primarily in those two spots today. I need a second bookmark. But 1 Corinthians, we, I, I think I lied to you last week. Actually, I told you two lies last week. Uh, before we get into that, though, we uh, how many of you ever been to the Ark Encounter? Have you all ever been? Okay, good. Uh, if you haven't been, it's a good time. Um, just so much information. Uh, Brother Nitten was smart, so they sell a book in the library or the bookstore down there that has all of the pictures of every slide as you go through the museum in a book, so you can go back and kind of take your time reading through it um the first time that was our second time there the first time we were there was in 2020 right when COVID was kind of it had a, it had been going but it was uh, I think November of I think November of 2020 we went and I think we were like one of the only cars in the whole place we weren't even sure if it was open when we got there or it looked closed but um anyway we we were able to take our time and then we were there on Friday and it was busy Man, just a crowd, you know, easing their way through all the things. So it was good, though. Uh, we had a good time. Uh, the drive was not too bad. The company was good, so that's good. <laughs> Nitin and Neha rode with us, so we had a good time. If you haven't been, I'd encourage you to go. Uh, it's, it's a really good trip. Acts chapter 18, First Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, the the I told you a lie last week about, I think, when we answered the questions when we were reviewing, I asked where was uh, 1 Corinthians written from, and somebody said Rome, and I said, very good, it was not Rome, and we know that. I don't know what I was thinking. I have it written down right there. It was, it was written from Ephesus, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but uh, 1 Corinthians was written from Ephesus, and we'll look at that timeline a little bit. Brother Josh has this map back up. I'll uh, hopefully get you some more pictures uh next week for our lesson but this week it's kind of we're going to base a lot of what we're looking at right here um, at paul's second missionary journey but acts chapter 18 well let's let's pray and then we'll get into it Uh, i don't want to forget to do that father i thank you for this day that you've given us god i thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to study your word god i thank you for the opportunity we have to study it in freedom uh with without any uh, having to look over our shoulder and, and try to make sure the government or anybody's not watching. God, I just thank you for that freedom. I pray that we would take advantage of that, that we would uh, um, look at it as a, a large responsibility to, uh, with the freedoms we have to, to study your word and to not take that for granted. pray that you would bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul actually starts in Acts chapter 15 and Uh, I I would like to look at that the whole way through. Um, I might hit some highlights a little bit later, but you'll see in Acts chapter 15, and it might even say, yeah, on the bottom there, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, is basically where the second missionary journey starts. Uh, It says, this is where Paul and Barnabas split, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. So they're getting ready to head back out. And just do a big tour of all the churches that they were at on their first missionary journey. Of the churches that they started. And uh, so that's where it starts. Acts chapter 15 verse 36. They have a uh, little bit of a disagreement there. Barnabas goes a different way. He takes John Mark. And we know later in the Bible, right? Paul says, hey, bring John Mark. He's profitable to me. So that tells you uh, Barnabas was able to get him back on track. And uh, get him back working for God. But we don't really hear much at all about uh, Barnabas and John Mark's missionary journeys here. It switches right back to Paul, and he takes Silas, verse 40, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches, and then it just goes on. But the origin of the church at Corinth, if you look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 32, Acts chapter 17, verse 32. The Bible says, and when they heard... So, okay, so if you back up a few verses, you'll see that he's at Athens. He's on Mars Hill. Somebody tell me what happened on Mars Hill. He's, he tells the, the people there in Athens of the unknown God. He sees this statue to the unknown God, or this plaque, or whatever they had. Uh, it says in verse 23, Acts chapter 17. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown god. So, maybe not even a statue, just an altar. They don't. So, just in case they missed any, and uh, me and me and Nitten were talking about that uh, on the way home a little bit. You know, who? How did they come up with these gods? But anyway, in Athens, there on Mars Hill, they have an uh, altar. To the unknown God. Almost every time I say it, I want to say the tomb of the unknown soldier. Every time I say it. But it's to the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And so Paul talks about this unknown God. Talking about Jesus Christ, God himself. And uh, verse 32, though, see what happens when he preaches to them. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. Verse 33, so Paul departed from among them, from the, from the Athenians, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. So Paul leaves Athens because of their apathy, really. The, verse 32 tells exactly what their mindset was. When they heard of the resurrection, some mocked and others said, eh, we'll, we'll talk to you again about it. They're not excited, really. Uh, not necessarily all of them are not opposed to it. But they're, they're not really excited. And so Paul moves along. And the next, if you see, he's in Athens just to the, just barely northeast of Corinth. And so he goes from Athens and he moves along to Corinth. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. This is This is the first time he's been in Corinth. He didn't go to Corinth on his first missionary journey. And... We're gonna take our time going through this. I don't wanna I don't hope I don't get stuck and, and draw it out too long, but we've already talked about some of these things. So what we're doing here is we're gonna look at the origin of the church. We're gonna look again at the date that, that uh First Corinthians was written, just so we have our minds again. We keep reviewing and reviewing, it'll hopefully start to this picture will come into mind. You can you can uh that's the problem with school. They we move through information so quickly if it's not reviewed and reviewed and reviewed and reviewed you forget it okay so you'll you know it and when somebody says it again you'll remember but uh, you can't pull that out of your own memory bank so we're going to keep reviewing these things Uh, and then we're going to look at the chronology of events uh, kind of how how this happened between Paul's missionary journeys when he wrote it what was going on when he wrote it and then the last thing we're going to look at today And this will finish, completely finish our introduction. This is the second lie I told you last week. I said, I think we're done with our introduction. We're not. We're still in the introduction. And next week, we will get into the actual content of 1 Corinthians. But the end of the lesson today, I want to go through. It's very clear, very, very clear in 1 Corinthians why Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. And we'll look at that uh, and kind of the quick overview content of, of 1 Corinthians there. All right. So. He leaves Athens, goes to Corinth, and in first, so look at Acts chapter 18, and I'm probably not going to have too many people read because I have verses scattered all over the place. I'm just going to kind of move through, and we'll turn to them together, but Acts chapter 18, and as I was reading that, that that caught my attention. Why was he, what was he afraid of? Was he, was he sick? Well, it says weakness. So you know, fear doesn't, I mean, it can bring weakness, but maybe it was a weakness in his spirit of, man, I don't want to do this. Um, but if you go back to Acts chapter 18, so these are very uh, correlating passages, very much talking about some of the men of the city of Corinth. But Paul is afraid. For whatever reason, I think uh, possibly it had a lot to do with the gods and, and how Tarsus to Derby Lystra, Iconium, all the way through Asia, uh, remember this is the missionary journey if you read in Acts chapter 16 I believe that Paul tries to go into Bithynia and the Holy Spirit says don't go there and he tries to go into Asia he says don't go there and he ends up uh, coming through Mysia into Troas but you can see how long this journey is and Paul's finally at Corinth the weakness part he could have just had he'd been sick could have been he, he went through a lot uh, remember uh, Derby and Lystra is where he was stoned in Lystra, um, and you can see that in Acts chapter 16, and that's what I'm saying. I wanted to go through that and kind of give us a a background of this second journey, but I don't think we really have time to do that. So anyway, Paul comes to the church at Corinth in fear and trembling and in weakness, and he meets Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla, and look at Acts chapter 18, verse 6 for this. Acts chapter 18, verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. I'm sorry, it's not Acts chapter 6. I looked at the wrong verse. Acts chapter 18, verse 2. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And this is a very interesting phrase because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and he came unto them. So these two were in Rome, very likely at the church in Rome. And uh, Claudius, the the Roman uh, commander there, the Roman uh, leadership there had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, get out of Rome. So they leave and they come to Corinth and Paul finds them here. Um, no doubt these two were trying to share the gospel, trying to spread the gospel, but there's no church started at this point. This is where Paul starts this church. So he finds them uh, and, and certainly uh, it wasn't a, a happenstance, a coincidence. God led them to him and we'll see this, why that's so important in a second, but he, he meets Aquila and Priscilla, and I want to, he becomes fast friends with them, they're of the same trade, and all the rest of that, but without looking, I don't have any notes in my Bible, my Bible is just a straight uh, text, so if you have notes, don't look at them, but tell me, somebody tell me what the word wrought means uh, in verse 3, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. I think sometimes we fly through that verse, and what does that mean? Does anybody know what the word wrought means? Just kind of off the top of your head or context-wise, what you would think that means. It means to work hard at something and struggle together. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, Bible, the King James Version uses some of the older words and things like that, but wrought is exactly what you would kind of think of the word wrought. Very likely. So Paul, there is no church here. Paul's not really being supported, so he would have had to work as a tent maker to, to provide for himself. Um, that's exactly what the word means. He Because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and raw, and worked for his living making tents because they were of the same craft, so he stays with them. Probably works for them, really. Uh, he doesn't have his own business going on here, but he's probably working for Aquila and Priscilla, and they become fast friends. And so what we're doing, we're giving you a, a background of... of the origin of this church. All right. So then I have notes written everywhere on my thing here. I want to make sure I don't miss any. Okay. Acts chapter 18. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, He he just labors with them. But, but more importantly, I think is that he's not doing it as a favor for them. He's not helping them out because I'm staying with you. This is him providing for himself, uh, because he doesn't have any support coming in. And later we'll see in first Corinthians, um, late in the book, actually actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, now concerning, what what, what word does he use? Now concerning, it's not gifts, but 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is the first time he really uh, addresses being supported. Uh, What word does he use? That's all I'm looking for. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So anyway, at this point, he doesn't really have Uh, any support and he does get some later Uh, some of these the the Bereans and the Thessalonians start supporting him he's so thankful for that later but right now he's he's working for his own living alright now Acts chapter 18 verse 6 who did we say last week and maybe it was the week before as well who did Paul why did Paul choose some of the cities or these cities that he went to does anybody remember why he chose these specific cities who was there that he was going after? He was going after Jews. Okay? So if in Acts chapter six, 18, verse 6, soon as he gets to Corinth, verse 6, he says, And when they, well, and when Sil- Silas and Tim- Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit, testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. In verse 6, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. So he goes to the Jews first in Acts uh, chapter 18 there in Corinth, and they don't listen to him. Now, the interesting phrase there, he shook his raiment, I think we kind of know what that means. Uh, It's very much a reference in Matthew chapter 10. You don't have to go there, but I'm going to because I want to read it to you. But Matthew chapter 10, it's, it's exactly a reference back to what Jesus Christ told the apostles to do. Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So that's what Paul's doing here. They won't listen. He shakes the dust off his raiment and says, I'm going to the Gentiles. And that's, that's what that reference is there. All right. So Matthew chapter 12, um, it talks about the unpardonable sin. And that's what he's referencing in the last part of chapter, uh, verse 6. Your blood be upon your own heads. There is one sin that is unpardonable. And people talk about this fairly often. Uh, some people get it completely wrong. What is that unpardonable sin? Uh, Brother, Brother Kevin beat you. Rejecting Christ. Re- the rejection of the Holy Spirit and his leading you to Christ. You reject that? That's unpardonable. That does not mean that you reject him once you can't get saved. It means that if you die having rejected Christ, that is the only sin that sends you to hell. It's not, you know, a wicked lifestyle. It's that sin, rejecting Christ, is what sends you to hell. So anyway, that's what he's saying there. The end of verse 6, your blood be upon your own heads. I tried to tell you, you won't listen. He moves on to the Gentiles. Okay, now we have him in verse... Seven, Paul departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Justice was definitely a Jewish proselyte. So he was a Jew that had become a Christian, and Paul goes and and stays with him there. Uh, And his house was right up against the synagogue. Uh, Probably at some point he was very much in leadership in the synagogue, and his house was still there. Um and verse 8, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. And it's interesting that after all of that, many of the Corinthians were believed and were baptized. And then in verse 9, the, then the Lord speaks to Paul in a night by a vision: Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Interesting that um, after he's finally he's actually seeing some success, that, that God comes and says, Don't be afraid. And verse 10 is a, is, a, is a great verse. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. But then the end of the verse he says, For I have much people in this city. Uh, as God's saying, I got, I got people here. I saw something very interesting. Uh, I think it was in the ark. Could have been at the Creation Museum. There was a lot of information. But, and I think we actually talked about this. But um, the Romans, during the time of Christ, a lot of the leaders were very sympathetic to what Christ was doing. They didn't really care what he was doing, but they were very sympathetic to the freedom of religion, having a freedom of this other guy in there. And, and you kind of see that here in verse, uh, let's see, uh, 13. Well, starting in verse 12 of Acts chapter 18. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaiae, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And, and this is kind of my point. Verse 14, when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will... Be no judge of such matters, and he drave them from the judgment seat. So they brought Paul in to accuse him, and Gallio goes, "I don't really care. It's your law that you're messing with. He just doesn't doesn't want the city being in an uproar. But if it comes to, as far as beliefs, I don't care. You guys take care of it." So the Romans were—I I don't know that sympathetic's the right word—but very uh, they put up with it. They didn't really care and, and were not necessarily. Now, the only reason when Paul goes to uh, Rome and goes before uh, Caesar and that, it's because he's pleading for his life. And Caesar, kind of like what happened with Christ, they're trying to please the Jews, just trying to keep things uh, calmed down. That's why they end up uh, taking Paul. But anyways, getting off topic here. So, Acts chapter 18 Verse 10, uh, I'm not going to get into this, but God, God says, I have much people in this city. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 16 is kind of a good uh, uh, cross reference to that. Actually, I want to read it because I circled it, so it obviously was one that I really wanted to read. But John chapter 10, verse 16, yes, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And and that's why I wanted to read this verse. Um, does anybody know kind of what that what that verse is talking about Gentiles. exactly? It's talking about the Gentiles. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. He's talking to the Jews here and saying, but he's saying I have other sheep coming. Well, First Corinthians or Acts chapter eighteen verse ten. I have much people in this city. This is a Gentile city. These are not Jews. Um, but uh, God is telling Paul, keep at it and don't be afraid. Speak, speak boldly. even says in verse 9, hold not thy peace. Don't, don't hold back. Preach. I have a lot of people in this city that I'm, I'm going to bring into that fold that he references in John chapter 10. All right. So uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay. If you go to Acts chapter, I think it's still Acts 18. Yes, and verse, okay, 18, Acts chapter 18, verse 18, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, talking about uh, Corinth, and remember, how long did he stay in Corinth? A year and a half. year and a half, very good, Miss Barbara. So he's there a year and a half, he's there, there for quite a while, teaching these people, and remember, that's why we talked about this whole background of the city of Corinth. They needed talk. They have no idea, What Christianity is—they're very, very pagan. Uh, This is not—we talked about this on the way home too. That's why my voice is worse. We talked about everything. That's what I was going to say. We solved all the world's problems. If we didn't solve it, it doesn't need fixed. On the way home yesterday, Um, but we talked about that. That's why uh, easy believism, quick prayerism is so dangerous. I mean, Paul was not here, and you see this in the first uh, book, in the first chapter of First Corinthians. He said, "I didn't baptize any of you." Uh oh. He just went to sleep. Um, he says, I didn't baptize any of you. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't, so that you can't you can't say, Oh, I was I was baptized by Paul, and that's why uh I'm better than, than y'all. Ba- Paul didn't baptize anybody. I just lost my my uh lesson. Uh he says, I didn't baptize any of you, and so this is not good. This whole screen just went blue. Um, But he says, I didn't baptize any of you, and that's a good thing. So my point was here, though, Acts uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 18, he stays here for a long time. He stays here for a year and a half to disciple these Christians um, and get this church going. I don't know what happened. That's a problem. But Acts chapter 18, verse 18, my point here was, Look at, and we'll read this. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sancria, for he had a vow. Sancria, remember, is right there by Corinth, just underneath it. So he went to Sancria, but, but the beginning of uh, verse 18 um And Paul, after this, tarried a good while and took his leave of the brethren and sailed. Now remember, Priscilla and Aquila are not from Corinth, right? Where were they from? Rome. Rome. They were from Rome. Remember, Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome, and they ended up in Corinth. Um, Not sure exactly why. Why they would have been there for that uh, in that city. I'm just going to have to do a hard restart and hope it comes back in time to... um, Okay, we're, we're going to have to uh, go by memory here. So, he takes Aquila and Priscilla with him when he leaves Corinth, all right? They are not homeless, but kind of sort of, right? Their home is in Rome, and so they're free to travel with Paul at this point, okay? Shorn uh, is said in Sancrea for he had a vow. Verse 19, he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So they leave Sancria, Corinth and Sancrea, and then they go to Ephesus. So they travel all the way across here, Aquila and Priscilla with him. Um, and then the Bible says in verse 19, he leaves them there, okay? Left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue uh, and reasoned with the Jews. And when they desired him to tarry longer, a longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. But I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. So this all happens in Ephesus. Now, this is where I need my notes, because I have some dates. Hopefully it's coming back up. But he leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus because of the fear of the Jews. He's, he's protecting them. He says, don't, don't come with me. Uh, he came to Ephesus, left them there. Sorry, left them um, I believe, it's in my notes, but I believe he left them in Sancreia, real close to Corinth. In fact, he did, because we'll look at some other verses. Then he came to Ephesus, left them in Sancreia, but he, entered, he himself entered into the synagogue. Now, look at verse 22. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia. So this is still his second missionary journey. But uh, he stays in Ephesus for quite some time here. And from Ephesus, this quickly, he writes back. So remember, he's in, he's in Corinth for a year and a half. Very likely, some of these issues were happening uh, pretty early on. But he, he moves to uh, Ephesus. And I am sidetracked, so sorry. I got to get back in here, but he moves to uh, Ephesus, and from Ephesus, because he stays there quite a long, quite a while, too, uh, between three and six months in Ephesus, okay, and then he writes 1 Corinthians from Ephesus, so he's writing pretty quickly right back to them, this, it, that's a pretty short time frame for this church to go off the rails, okay, is my point here, um, but look what Aquila and Priscilla do when they stay at Sancria, in verse 24, 23. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, Egypt, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, so I could have been wrong. <laughs> Sorry, my notes are gone. Um, and so I think maybe Aquila and Priscilla are in Ephesus here. Sorry. Verse 26. Yes, because that's where I'm getting to. Uh, verse 26, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Very interesting. Quill and Priscilla are not apostles. They're workers in the church. And they take this guy who in verse 24, 25, no, verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, mighty in the scriptures, comes to Ephesus. They take him and they expound and teach him diligently the things of the Lord. Sorry, verse 26, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Caï. The brethren then, the brethren wrote, according, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Achaia is back here, uh, Sankria and Achaia. Those are the two around Corinth. So he's back, Apollos comes back to the Corinth area, and is preaching there, which makes sense why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you have people saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, right? First, right off the bat, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, you have verse, uh, verse 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, By them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. This I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. So Apollos goes back there, and you see that verse 28 of chapter 18. He mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So he goes back there and has such an impact that there are actually a following of Apollos that Paul has to address uh, in 1 Corinthians. All right. So I am going to skip right now to the um, content of 1 Corinthians. This will be the last part we do. If this comes back up, I might have a few more things that I want to talk about. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and you see in verse uh, 1 through, or 13 through about 2, chapter 2, verse, K. Okay, here we come. And I'll, and I'll have, I'll be more accurate, but... Chapter 1, verse 13, you can see that, uh, does it have a paragraph break? No, but now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of a Paul. So he's addressing contentions in the church. That's the first thing he addresses. Give me two seconds, I'm almost there. I don't know what happened with that. Hopefully it doesn't do it again. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, we'll go back to the chronology of events in a second, but I want to get you this content. So, chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, Paul addresses the... Uh, Okay, so the whole book of 1 Corinthians was written to address the things that Chloe, the house of Chloe, had brought up. Obviously, a, a strong Christian there in Corinth that writes quickly to Paul and says, we got issues, you need to fix them. I don't know what to tell these people, but chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, he addresses these corruptions in the church following human leaders, okay? Then chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 2, verse 13 he addresses favoring earthly wisdom. Look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it's the power of God. So he talks about uh, earthly wisdom. Chapter 2, verse 14, through chapter 3, verse 17, he addresses the flesh, the issues that they're having here with fleshly people in the church. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him. These people are trying to make sense of, of the gospel from an earth, from a fleshly perspective and it doesn't work. And that's what Paul addresses. Then chapter three, verses 18, eight through 18, he addresses future judgment. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one and everyone, every man shall receive his own rewarding according, according to his own labor, For we are laborers. So he addresses future judgment. Then verse four, chapter four, he addresses flattering themselves, uh, interesting chapter but I'm not even going to get into it but he addresses flattering themselves they're, they're proud of the work that they're doing now and that's an issue. it's a corruption in the church. Uh, chapter five we have church discipline and failing to discipline that's what he talks about in chapter five. verse uh, chapter six he has he addresses fragmenting the body you realize these are all F's right it's all alliterated but fragmenting the body he's talking about hey take care of these issues in the church in the church don't go to the law and bring a a a blot on the name of Christ and his church okay so those are the corruptions that he addresses chapter 7 though he switches very quickly and starts addressing the questions they have for him so in this letter that Chloe sent she said hey these are the problems but they also have some questions they don't know what to do here so quickly, in chapter 7, he addresses marriage. Chapters 8 through 10, he addresses Christian liberty. And you can see, it's, and this is interesting too, you can see these breaks. Now, so he stops reproving them and says in verse, chapter 7, verse 1, Now, concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. He goes right into marriage. But chapter 8, you can see these hard breaks. Now, chap, verse 1 of chapter 8 as touching the things offered unto idols. So he's talking about Christian liberty. Remember, he's talking about you can eat, whatever. It's not, we have this liberty. Uh, He goes all the way through chapter 10 addressing that. Chapter 11, he addresses conduct in the church. Uh, how, How to act in church, basically. Chapters 12 through 14, he addresses gifts. Now, verse 1. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he's, he's uh, exhorting them, he's teaching them through this letter. This goes, those gifts go all the way through chapter 14, and we're going to talk about all of these. Uh, hopefully this series doesn't get super long, but there's a lot here. And then chapter 15, he addresses the resurrection. Uh, and then chapter 16, I already mentioned this, he addresses collection, collection and giving and how, how, to, how the church should... Uh, bringing this offering and and all the rest of that. Um, I am done with my time here. There was a few things I wanted to bring up. Maybe I'll throw them in there next week. Um, But it was just more of a chronology of kind of things we've already talked about. Um, Very interesting, though, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, if you can go there just for a second. Um, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, this is one thing I wanted to point out because Aquila and Priscilla are very important in Paul's life and you see in verse 16 chapter 16 of Romans verse 1 I commend unto you Phoebe our sister which is a servant of the church which is at Sancria Um, let's see if I can find them quickly verse 3 greet Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus they're back in Rome back home and by the time Paul finally writes Romans where did he write Romans from Corinth Remember, the first chapter of Romans is pretty tough on sin, and he's writing it from Corinth. We said very likely he was watching some of the things happening in Corinth and addressing the Romans based on what was going on in Corinth. But he, he writes uh, to the church at Rome from Corinth, and in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 3, he addresses Aquila and Priscilla, hey, greet them, they were my helpers. And, and look at he says in verse 4, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches that the Gentiles give thanks to Aquila and Priscilla for laying down their necks. Very, very likely this is why he left them in Ephesus. They're laying down their necks and Paul finally is like, all right, you're gonna end up dead. Stay here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move along to the Jewish synagogue uh, there. But anyways, so he addresses them in, in chapter 16 of Romans. They're back in Rome, back home. Uh, leadership must have changed or whatever and they're, they're back home. Um, I want to read one last thing and then we'll be finished. Just a, uh, a little paragraph from Matthew Henry on the church at Corinth. And this is what he says and then we'll be finished. The Corinthian church contained some Jews but more Gentiles and the apostle had to contend with the superstitions of the one and the sinful conduct of the other. The superstitions of the Gentiles and the conduct of the Jews. Uh, the peace of this church was disturbed by false teachers who undermined the influence of the apostle. Two parties were the result, one contending earnestly for the Jewish ceremonies, the other indulging in excess contrary to the gospel, to which they were especially led by the luxury and the sins which prevailed around them. So, very important that we know the background of Corinth. The epistle was written to rebuke some disorderly conduct of which the apostle had been apprised and to give advice as to some points whereon his judgment was requested by the Corinthians. Thus, the scope was twofold, one, to apply suitable remedies to the disorders and abuses which prevailed among them, and two, to give satisfactory answers on all the points upon which his advice had been desired. The address and Christian mildness, yet firmness, with which the apostle writes, and goes on from general truths directly to opposing errors and evil conduct of the Corinthians is very remarkable. He states the truth and the will of God as to various matters with great force of argument, and animation of style. So that's what Matthew Henry says about 1 Corinthians. Uh, but it is very interesting. Paul is not. It, I, I think it's also interesting that he calls out the name of the house of Chloe. He says, hey, I've heard some problems from Chloe. <laughs> and it, it makes me think she, when she read the letters, you're probably like, oh, man. Maybe not. Um, but Paul is saying, hey, I've, I'm not hearing this second, third, fourth hand. I'm hearing this from somebody in the church there. Y'all have some issues. I'm going to address them. But he does it very, very lovingly and almost as a father that is trying to teach. Not necessarily discipline, just teach. Hey, you can't do that. This is why. And then in chapter 7, he goes straight into, okay, you had some questions. I'm going to answer those. So we will get into the content of 1 Corinthians next week. We'll start right in in chapter 1, and we'll get going on it. So we spent four weeks on the introduction, but I think it's very important to understand where the mindset of the Corinthians is at, where Paul is at. We saw today, he's he's scared. He's he's nervous. And God says, "Don't be don't be afraid. Get in there and teach them. I have a lot of people here that I want to add to the fold, and I need you to to teach them so they can get there." All right? Let's pray and we'll d- be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for another opportunity again to open your word. God, I just thank you for so much in it. Uh, if we study and and Uh, cross-reference and look at other passages. There's so much there that we can learn. God, I pray that we'd be good students of your word. God, I pray as we uh, get into the next hour that you would uh, just be with our pastor, that you'd fill him with your power, give him the words to say. And God, I pray that you'd be with our hearts, that we'd be soft and moldable and uh, ready to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're dismissed.